Welcome to the podcast Let's Talk Queer. I'm your host, Cassia Emerald, and we are here today to break the silence. Welcome to Let's Talk Queer. I am really excited to have you guys in my second episode. And as I promised, today we are going to be talking about a book, The Well of Loneliness, by Hedicliffe Hall. I remember the first time I read it, the book really impacted me, not only because the book was one of the first books with lesbian characters as main characters in a book that I read, but also because of the sensibility with the story is tell by the author. So the book the, the book was published in 1928. And by that time, the word was still really hard for female writers. We know by history that in 19th century, for example, a lot of writers need to use pseudonymous to write their book, to be able to publish their books, because society didn't accept female writers. They had this idea that women need to be home, taking care of their husband and kids, so was a so being a writer was not acceptable. And by the twenties, in the twentieth century, we still deal with this mentality. She published this book with the main idea of talking about lesbian love, lesbian representation as a natural biological condition. And for that, she based her book in this theory called Congenital inversion was a new theory in psychology by that time that suggested that sexual attraction for the same sex could be a natural biological condition. We are going to talk deeply about it. But first, I want to start talking about what it means to be a woman in the beginning of the 20th century. And I think the most important example that we can use to discuss the idea of being a woman in general in the 20th century was the suffrage movement. So, for example, Finland was the first place in Europe to legalize racially equal suffrage for women. And during the Second World War, we can see that Denmark, Canada, Russia, Germany, and Poland start also recognizing women's right to vote. And that means that was in the 40s, so that took a long time for us to have the right to vote, to have a political voice. We can see that France, for example, just gave the woman the right to vote in 1944, and France is considered one of the most advanced countries in the world, especially culturally. So that was the contest where Hadcliffe was writing, and Hadcliffe was trying to talk about being lesbian, but she did much more than just that. She was a living example of a woman, lesbian, trying to talk about the normality of being who she was, and for that, and she made that really clear in the way she dressed. She used to dress like a man, with suits and pants, and that was considered a scandal for the society. 
Radcliffe, she was born in 1880 in England and she was knew by the name John, especially by her friends. And the reason behind that was because she used to dress like a man. Her mother was an American and her father was British and they divorced in 1882. And her mother remarried a musician called Albert Vissette. And her biography tells us that she had a hard relationship with her mother's new husband. Paul wrote poems from early age, and her first volume of poems, The Twigs, Earth, and Stars, was published in 1906. But the, her big interest on that time was traveling and know more about the world. And in 1907 was when she met Mabel Batten, that was a 50 years old married woman. She was amateur singer, known by her beauty. Paul biography tells us that both women start having an affair. And this affair affects greatly her personality and her understanding of the world and herself. And was the first, and this relationship was the one that encouraged her to pursue her poetry writing. So, in the year of 1908, Halls published her second book, which included Ode to Sappho. In her third book, one year later, and in 1910, after Batten's husband had died. The two women start living together and creating a home together, and by that time, Hall's four poetry anthology was published, and she dedicated that to Batten. And after that, more volumes of poetry were published, so we can say that her relationship with Mabel Batten definitely influenced her to publish her poems. And after that, we can say that Mabel also was really important in her life because she introduced Hall to the Lesbian Society of England and also to Catholicism. And at the same time, after the two women started living together after 1910, was when Hall started developing her masculine image, when she started using Tyler... Tyler red jackets and stiff collars, hats. Both women stayed in England during the First World War between 1915 to 1918. And during this time, Halls need to face two big realities. First, the war, and second, the fact that Batten started getting sick. And if that was not enough, was when Hall also decided to start writing her fiction books. And I think it's really interesting to think about how relationships and people we met during our life can really influence who we become and the identity we try to build for ourselves. And I really believe the relationship that Hall had with Batten was so important for her literature and the poem that she wrote, but also for her to discover who she was and the person and her real identity. And that was, and I believe that was the big reason behind her decision 
she started dressing as a man because she felt comfortable like that, even though the society was still so conservative and probably not acceptable at all for her decision, she still felt welcome at her own home to be who she was. And she, and she stayed with Beth until her death in 1916. The woman that was also really important in Hall's life was Una Trobred. She met her in 1915, and they start a relationship, a friendship, by the time when Batten was still really sick, one year before her death. Una was a professional, Una was a professional artist, and she had a young daughter that was called Andrea, who was married to a naval captain, Ernest. And what we know is that this new relationship, this new friendship between Una and Hall, it started creating an uncomfortable situation between her and Batten until Batten's death in one year later. This relationship was also really interesting and really important for Hall as a writer because if with Batten she was introduced to the lesbian society and also to Catholicism, with Yuna she was introduced she was introduced to what they call the seances. There was Median's reunion where people get together to talk about spiritual life and spirits. There was a really popular movement in Europe, especially France, by the time when they started believing where a lot of Medians and psychs start getting start coming to the public telling they had this power or gift where they could talk to where they could talk to spirits or spirits could incorporate on them and send message to their lovely ones. So both women by the time start going to these reunions and in one of them specifically, they truly believe that the spirit of Batten was sending them a message, more specifically an advice for Hall. And by the time Sir Olive Lodge, he was a member of the Royal Society and the former president of the Society for Psycho Research, encouraged the two women to write a research paper about these seances, about their experience in these median reunions. In 1919, both women started living together after Yuna got divorced from her husband. And in 1920, George Lane Fox Pitt, another member of the Society of Cycle Research, started accusing Hall and Yuna of writing an immoral paper after talking with Yuna's ex-husband. And here we can see definitely the results of a patriarchal society since probably Yuna get divorced with her husband to stay with Hall and be able to stay in the same hall and stay in the same home and have some domestic arrangements with her that could not be acceptable for men. And they come back and he tried to come back at them making this big complaint in this research society, especially because they know how important that was for both of them. 
1923, Hall acquired a literary agent called Andrew Huff. And that was a time when Hall started working in her another novel called The Forge that was published in 1924. And this book sold really well. Her third novel was called Saturday Life that was released in 1925. And her fourth book was called Adam's Breed that was published in the United States. And this book was released in 1926 and received really good favorable reviews. And then in early July, she completed her short story, Miss Audrey Finds Herself, that deals directly with homosexuality. In her previous book, she didn't touch the subject of homosexuality, especially between women. So her, the first time she started talking about it was in 1926, after her fifth book in a short story. And her, then 12 days after she published the short story was when Hall started working writing Stephen, which was the book that was going to become The Well of Longless. What can I say about this book? This book is amazing, sensible story, about a girl who start understanding her sexual preferences for another woman and how she deal with that feelings. At the same time, she was trying to keep the respect from her parents and her society. I think the main message behind the book that we could see in Stephen was the idea that they could not help themselves. Lesbians cannot help cannot help being what they are. They cannot be different from that. She tried to be different, but she couldn't because was just who she was, was a characteristic, was a personality, was an identity that she couldn't just not be. And in the story, she tried to show how society persecuted her and another lesbian in so many different ways and levels just because they're trying to be themselves. And she makes it really clear in the book, and that's really interesting. We have scenes where Stephen really believed that if she proved to society that she was a good writer, that she was a good human being, she was worth the credit to be who she was. For example, we have scenes where she goes to the war, the First World War, as a nurse, driving an ambulance, and she gives her best to try to help the soldiers and the society in general to go through this horrible time in Europe. And when she comes back, she comes back in love for another nurse, and they start living together. And this, and at the same time, they're happy together they need to deal with the eyes and the judgment of everyone around them. And Steve was constantly trying to prove her value, that relationship worth, not just for her, but for the other woman, because she was so worried about what she could provide to her partner 
in the matters of material life and society acceptancy that she built her entire motivation around that. And we can see how she struggled through the book to, ba to balance her love and how sure she was about her own personality with the fear that she had of being hurt another person or the fear of being abandoned by the other person because the other person could not deal with the pressure from society. And this was a constant conflict in the main character. And I think that's the main reason why I say that the book is so sensitive about what was being gay in the 20s. So right after being published in 1928, the book received really good reviews and have some sales. However, in August 19, in the same year, the Sunday Express printed an article and they labeled the book as immoral. And they say, open quotes, I would rather give a half boy or a half girl a fill of Prusik acid than this novel. Poison kills the boy, but moral poison kills the soul. End of the quote. And, the, and this is start a big discussion in the England society, in Europe society, about the well of loneliness. A lot of newspapers start publishing headline news about the book, and the books are selling a lot. And in August 22, three days after the Sunday Express article, the Home Secretary instructed Cape to stop the book or they are going to face legal proceedings because the book was talking about obscenities. And after that, the books are facing a lot of censorship. UK, for example, stopped the publication of the book and they need to start printing it in Paris. And after that, the American publishers also stopped printing the book. And, and in October 4, officers start stopping the shipment of the novel to London and the Metropolitan Palace of London after the Act of 1857 start confiscating and destroying the copies of this book because there was considered an obscene publication. After the printing being stopped and the books being burned, she started facing a lot of trials in the court. You're listening to the podcast, Let's Talk Queer. If you're enjoying this episode, you can share in your favorite social media. Now, let's go back. Even though she was never asked to be in the court and justify her writing, her defense tried to create a case showing that the opinions about the, her book was not an evidence, how she was unsexful and the prosecution continued against her book, and, and the court decided that the book was obscene. And she tried to appeal against this verdict, but she wasn't successful, especially in England. 
the books continue being sold in France. They so that was probably a really hard time for Radcliffe Hall as a writer, as a woman, and in the middle of all this conflict, how and how start working her next book that was published in 1932, and that was called The Master of the House. And I think the personality of Hall is really interesting for us to think about and discuss. As I say in the past, she was really introduced to Catholicism, and after that to the spiritual word and the, and the medium's um, reunion. And that was a big deal for Hall. She, was, she considered herself a Catholic, and she truly believed in everything that was surrounded by this ideology. So when she wrote The Master of the House, she was really influenced by the Catholicism where the hero of her book dies by crucifixion. And interesting to, to see that she confessed that while she was writing this book, she started developing stigmata in her hands. Stigmata, it's a Christian um, phenomenon where a person starts developing bodily wounds, scars, and pain in locations that correspond directly to the crucifixion wounds of Jesus Christ. For example, in the hands, wrists, or in the feet. So the person who started developing this stigmata was called a stigmatist or stigmatic. And she and th this was a big phenomenon in the medieval time, where a lot of um, members of the Catholic Church, especially nuns, monks, they start developing this stigmata as a sign of purity and really connection with Jesus Christ. Then while she was writing this book in the middle of all this conflict. She started developing what she called this stigmata as a sign for her of her connection with the spiritual world. And unfortunately, the sale of her book was really bad. The reviews were really disappointing. In the middle of all this conflict, how met Evgenia Solin. She was a Russian nurse. There was Harichi Yuna to help her during the holiday because she contracted enteritis. And Hall and Celine start having an affair that created a big unhappiness for Una and her relationship was really shaked. But even though with all that, Una continued in Hall's side until her death because in 1943, Hall's health started deteriorating and an examination revealed that she had cancer and even after a couple of surgeries that was completely unsuccessful, Hall died in London on October 6 after really painful months and the person who stayed by her side taking care of her during all this process was Una that was her faithful companion until her death. So that was a quick biography about Hadcliffe Hall that I truly believe is important for us to understand better 
about the wealth of loneliness and the meaning of this book, not just for her, but for the 20 society and the 20 women, and even today. Even though Hall was open about her sexuality, she needed to deal with a lot of prejudice against it. And especially if we consider that in the 20th century British society, woman's homosexuality was not illegal, but at the same time, that was considered a moral act, a deviation from nature and sin committed by obscene youngers. And that affected her so much because she considered herself a Catholic. She considered herself a spiritual person. So the spiritual opinion and the spiritual word matters so much to her. And that's why she wrote The Well of Loneliness to discuss her condition and other people condition as homosexual as a natural as a nature thing created by god that was the big idea for her in her personal life and that she tried to represent her book that being homosexual was a condition a natural condition created by god and not a deviation and not a moral thing is, and it's really interesting to understand that The Well of Loneliness was published three months before the Virginia Woolf book, Orlando. And that was another amazing book that talked about sexuality with naturality in the 20s, describing this human search for desire, love, and identity. And the relationship between Virginia Woolf and Peter in the 20s was so important, was so important for literary work and or society in general, because was another two intellectual women trying to be in a society with all these conservative ideas. At the same time, they're trying to create an art that shows another way, an art that shows that was okay to be who they were. Although Vita and Virginia were both married to men, the two women, they penned hundreds of poetic letters to each other in the 20s, and their relationship was so important that inspired Wolf's most celebrated work that was publishing in 1928, that was Orlando. The same year, Radcliffe was talking, the same year that Radcliffe was publishing The Well of Loneliness and going through all this law persecution. I really believe that the main question behind it is a question that still is still important for a lot of homosexual people today, especially the ones they're trying to understand their feelings and their own identity. And the big question is, why am I as I am? And what am I? So how, how many of us are still affected by the conservative idea represented by Stephen Mothers in the book where, when she say, this thing that you are is a sin against creation. I think that's a big line in the book because chief and mother represent all these conservative voices 
and religious voices that believe that homosexuality is against normality, is against creation. When she tells that to Stephen, we felt how much that hurt her character, especially because she started remember her father, and her father was this big man who understood who she was, kind of accept her condition, but never talk about it. Was the type of person that he understood her, he didn't judge or hate her like her mama did more actively, but he just decided to, he just opt for the silence. He just decided to not talk about it until he died. He never really talked about it. And I think this brings a big consequence for Stephen Future when she needs to talk to her mother about it and her mother don't have an idea about what her, what her father would think about all this. So the fact that her father decided for the silence about all this condition till he died leave to her mother a big responsibility of how she should react about the Stephen's sexuality. And I think that was really unfair to her. And in certain way, Stephen kind of understand that because she never really fight with her mother. She, re she really never have this big conflict with her mother. She just decided to leave her home and start living a new life. And that was a big change for her. And when she was obligated to leave all that and move to an apartment in a city, it was like she was leaving behind not only what she really loved, but also all her memories of her father. That was one of the most important people in her life. So when, when we think about the well of loneliness, we can feel that Hall's intention was to speak on behalf of a misunderstood and misjudged minority. She was trying to give them a voice and the last line of the well of loneliness make that really clear and the impact of the last line was so important, at least for me, because I was not expecting at all the end. I think I'm still in a modern mind of happy, of happy ending, but I truly understand why she chose to end the book that way, because she, she was trying to make a voice, she was trying to make a point for the society that being who she was, was natural. Even though I'm calling Radcliffe Hall a lesbian, that's not a hundred percent accurate because she identified herself as a congenital introvert. And that's why I want to talk a little bit about that. As I say, she used men clothes in her real life. She dressed like a man. And she was always, and she was always calling herself a congenital introvert. And this term, a more than the 20th century, as part of the sexologist Richard von Kraft Eben teases and his thesis come as a change in the psychology academical world, especially after publications of Freud research. So since 19th century and most part of the 20th century, 
homosexuality was considered a perversion. And then the term sexual inversion come with Richard research as an alternative comprehension of this type of sexual orientation. So the Richard research suggested a new understanding by psychiatry. So when we look back to the 19th century and most part of the 20th century, the psychiatric research focus on the idea of homosexuality as a perversion. They truly believe that this kind of sexual conduct was a pathology at the time when they tried to understand why people behave like that, they did to a forensic perspective. So what that means? That means exactly they look to the act of homosexual as a crime and not only just that, but also as a moral offenders. So when Richard Kraft came with his thesis, he was trying to change the perspective of homosexuality from the crime, from the moral offenders, from the idea of perversion, to start focus on the behavior and the psychological condition of these um, creatures and try to understand that they, they are developing symptoms for him of a pathology and not symptoms of a crime and not symptoms of a perversion. So he was trying to change the focus from a moral perspective that was influencing the academic research to try to start talking about the, bio, the biological perspective behind this kind of sexual conduct. So when he create the sexual inversion theory, she, he was trying to talk about a biological behavior and not an immoral act that lead to a crime. So he was trying to separate two dimensions. He was trying to separate this kind of conduct from the religious world and from the criminal laws to try to bring it from to a psychiatric perspective. And that was a big change in science, especially in psychiatric science in the 20th century. So the big change that he research was trying to implement in society comes criticizing the criminalization of sexual deviance when he started advocating for the prevention of sexual debauchery by introducing sexual education and hygiene. So it was the first time in history where a psychiatric a psychiatrist was talking about sex was talking about sexual education and the importance of hygiene in relationships. So he was not talking about religious perspective, he was not talking about this conduct as a crime for society, but he was telling people that these people need sexual education, these people need to understand about hygiene. And there was a big change for society. It was a big change, especially for the homosexual community. Even though he was a big fan of Freud's work about sexology, 
and he was an active supporter of Freud's application to be a professor at the University of Vienna, he was also against the idea of penalization of homosexuals. You're listening to the podcast Let's Talk Queer. If you're enjoying this episode, you can share in your favorite social media. Now, let's go back. Since the end of the 19th century, Richard started opposing the penalization of homosexual acts, and he was among the first ones to sign a petition that was advocating for the abolition of the Section 175 of the German Legal Code, which made so-called unnatural vis punishable. And it's really interesting to read his books because he shares some stories about these patients, homosexual patients, and he starts relating to them, he starts understanding them. So when we look at his book, he made clear that most of his patients were considered homosexual. They were economically independent, they were educated people, and most of the part, they live in cities and outside of any traditional family uh, society. They were seeking for psychiatric help because most of these patients, they were really trying to justify themselves. They were really trying to understand their feelings and use the psychiatric model to help them cure this feeling of guilt they felt of being who they are because of the society pressure and the society opinion about them. So most of the patients was facing a lot of mental issues because they have this idea of their behavior being immoral or even illegal, especially for men. And, and after they knew about his new research and he was open to understand better their condition, not only as a matter of immoral or criminal act, but as humans, they start coming to him to try to look at her behavior as a natural condition. And after that, in his book, he should start calling them as stepchildren of nature. And all this contest will influence Radcliffe Hall when she was writing her book, The Well of Loneliness, and all this research she tried to bring in a more common language for everybody to be able to understand her main goal was trying to take this big discussion from the academic and the college walls and bring it to the society and tell people that the science, that the science was changing and a new perspective of being homosexual was emerging in science that showed that they could be natural biological creations of God as the way they were. We need to understand that the academic society was conservative by itself. And this big movement that Richard was trying to bring with his new research was not well accepted and definitely didn't become the nominee theory in psychiatry to understand homosexual behavior. So perversion and immorality were still the common conclusion 
when the psychiatrists start studying and trying to understand the subject of lesbianism or gay or homosexuality. And I really believe that was one of the big reasons why Hall's publication was not accepted with open arms, because not even the academic world was open enough to these new theories. So when we think about the society in general, the conservative and immoral and religious ideas about homosexual was still the big mentality. And to finish our episode today, I want to conclude with um, with a reflection bring by Nancy Knauer. She's an academic professor who studied about the pro-family activists in our society today. And she developed an article where she discussed the Hadcliffe congenital theory and how most of the time the same arguments that is used from that is used by the pro-family activists today is the same one used by the court and the criminal laws in the beginning of the 20th century to criminalize Hall's writing and stop the printing of her book. So the first argument that Nancy highlights for us that's similar between the 20th century and the today present movement of the pro-family is that the homosexuality is a freely choosing vice. So what she's saying that even today, we have movements that truly believe that homosexuality is a choice. In the medical world, the definition of disease is made and endorsed by this big organization, institution called the World Health Organization. And this organization is responsible to create a list of diseases and explain these diseases, these diseases and classify them. And this type of classification is important to develop the same treatments for the same disease in different cultures and different countries. So in 1977, this big organization listed homosexuality as a disease. However, after years of research, especially from the psychiatric community, Homosexuality was removed from the list in the 90s. So since 1990, homosexuality is not considered a disease anymore for the medical community. The second argument that Nancy highlighted for us is that homosexual, homosexuals prey on innocent victims. And I think this is a really interesting argument especially in the book of the Well of Loneliness, when Stephen has her first relationship with an American actress that come to live next to her house, she stopped flirting with Stephen. And even though she was married, she, she started having an affair with her. But all the time, she keep her image for her husband as that she was the victim of all that situation that she was too naive and that Stephen was influencing her to act on that way. And most of the times in the book, the image of people has is that other homosexuals, they are preying on naive or pure victims and making them gays because of that. 
And that's the still argument that is used today in our present society. And I can say my personal experience, when I was a teenager kid going to my first relationships with another woman, I hear that so many times from my mom or from my dad, that lesbian gender were really smart and we need to be careful, careful with them because they are dangerous and they can pervert your pure kid. So in my parents' mind, I was this innocent girl being perverted by this danger lesbian. And this is in fact an image that a lot of people still use today as an argument against homosexuality. And that and that's so true that's appearing in Nancy research when she's talking about this pro-family activists and how they use this same argument that is used for centuries. Her third argument is that homosexuals have no shame and insist of flaunting their depravity in public. I don't even know what to say about that, honestly, because if we go in the street today, we see a lot of heterosexual couple showing affection publicly, kissing, holding hands, hugs, and that's not considered offense, and that's not considered depravity. However, if you see a gay or lesbian couple or transgender, whatever, holding hands in public, they, they are considering obscene, mostly because, of, because these people believe that only seeing a gay couple could convert a kid to be gay and that's and that's completely crazy but that's one of the arguments they use and that's one of the arguments that show up in the book that's why most of lesbians and gays in the 20th century hide their sexuality hide who they were because they are scared of people's opinion because people think because people think on their existence by itself was obscenity. So Stephen, she hide her relationship in her home and because of that, because she was keeping a secret all the time, that started affecting her relationship. Because the other girl wants to be introduced to society, want to be in parties, want to be socializing. And Stephen was scared of that. She was scared of being herself publicly on society. And only, and even just going to these social uh, social meetings with her partner as a friend terrifies her. So that's really interesting to see that even today, this argument is still out there that being yourself in public is considered obscenity. So when Hall introduced all these arguments in her book, she was really truly saying that through science and through scientific observation, we could be able to see the contrary sexual feeling, as she said, or the inversion as a natural biological variation of humanity. She was really trying to focus from the moral act to the individual, to the behavior, arguing that if the inversion was an inborn characteristic, 
if being a congenital invert was the way you were born with, then the concept of contagious was a complete failure. She was trying to say if that person was born like that, being homosexual could not be contagious. And that was a big argument for her in her book and was the big argument behind Richard research of the congenital inversion. They're trying to say the homosexual were born like that and that means there was not a choice. That means they could not influence other people to be like that. Was not a, a matter of only was not a, only a matter of behavior and psychological trauma was a biological fact. So for Hall, she really believed that this new concept could bring more dignity to inverts and bring normal men and women of goodwill to a fuller and more tolerant understanding of the inverted. She was trying to create a better society for anyone who considers homosexual. And I think it's a really important book and it's a really big discussion. It's a discussion that still needs to be made every day. And we are here still fighting against prejudice and against old arguments. Even with all the development that we have in psychiatric world and in the medicine that don't even recognize homosexuality as a pathology anymore, radically books, this is still so important. So that was all that I want to discuss with you guys in the second episode. I hope you guys enjoyed the discussion and if you like it, you can share it in your social media or you can leave a review in the Apple podcast page. I'm really excited to keep recording these next episodes and sharing and continuing talking about literature with you. So I will see you in the next episode. Let's break the silence. You just listened to the podcast Let's Talk Queer. Episodes are released every Monday and Thursday at 9 p.m. If you like it, you can share your favorite social media. See you guys on the next episode. Let's break the silence.